0: On October 17, 2023, the New York State Senate Standing Committee on Civil Service and Pensions held a public hearing to discuss retention and recruitment for civil service jobs in New York State, the New York State Pension Fund, pensions, and civil service benefits. What you're about to hear is excerpts of this public hearing, including opening remarks from chair of the committee, Senator Robert Jackson, as well as testimony from Orrin Barzilek president of FDNY EMS, Local 2507, on the low wages and low retention rates for paramedics and EMTs. His testimony was followed by a Q&A.
1: Good morning, everyone. Thank you Thank you for coming in this morning. Uh, this is the Committee of Civil Service and Pensions in the State Senate. And I'm Robert Jackson. I chair the Senate Civil Service and Pensions Committee. And I'm joined by uh, my colleagues here, uh, as you can see them all, uh, with um, uh, my ranking member, Senator Alexis uh, Weitz, uh, representing part of Nassau and Suffolk County, uh, as well as our colleagues making a full committee seating before you today, uh, Joe Adabo representing Queens, um, and Senator uh, Ewin Chu uh, and s- uh, representing Brooklyn, Uh, We expect uh, Andrew Gennardis, who is a member of this committee, also we have Senator Mario Matera representing parts of Suffolk County, and uh, we're hoping that Senator Jessica Scarsella Spanton representing parts of Kings County and Richmond County, as you know, that's Brooklyn and and Staten Island. Uh, We hopefully expect her soon. The State Senate is convening this hearing in response to critical issues of retention and recruitment within New York civil service and public sector. Uh, We are continuing our discussion uh, from the Wednesday, October 11th hearing that we held in Albany, uh, which which you can view on the Senate website or Senate YouTube page. Across all levels of public service industries, the state faces labor shortages. Uh, To strengthen the public service sector requires the development of successful implementation strategies that remove barriers that attract a diverse pool of candidates and retain an experienced workforce. The strength of public workforce has a profound impact on overall well-being and functionality of our state. A shortage of skilled and dedicated workers in the public sector directly affects the delivery of essential services to the New York residents that we all represent. Many sectors rely on a robust and adequate staff workforce from education to health care, public service, (coughs) public safety, and infrastructure. A thriving labor force is an integral part to the economic growth. Uh, improve productivity, and encouraging innovation. Retention issues can place an undue burden on existing employees, leading to stress, burnout, low employee morale. A stable labor force is critical in the state's long-term planning to make New York State competitive for business and investment. I look forward to hearing from our partners who share the same commitment to advance New York State and share the same concern about the state's ability to provide essential services, foster growth, and ensure the well-being of our residents. We are happy to have received written testimony provided by additional employer groups, unions, and advocates who are unable to attend in person. Um, We invite panel three to come up, the uniformed EMTs, paramedics, and fire inspectors of local 2507. Oren Barzela, President, I hope I pronounced your name correctly, and the Uniformed Firefighters Association, UFA NYC, Robert Custis, Vice President. Please come forward.
0: Good morning, everybody. Good morning. My name is Oren Barzela. I'm a 28 year veteran of FDNYMS and President of FDNYMS Local 2507. I'm here today to speak on behalf of more than 4,300 uniformed FDNY EMTs, paramedics, and fire inspectors. We appreciate the opportunity to appear before the committee, long supportive of FDNY and its EMS workforce. There is no denying that New York is facing labor shortages in the civil service sector, especially among FDNY EMS. Any EMT or paramedic or inspector will tell you that these shortages are the results of decades of pay disparity. EMS members are paid 40 to 50 percent less than other New Yorkers, great first responder agencies. Poverty wages and truly difficult, if not horrific, work conditions for members result in EMS losing on average 30 percent of new hires within three years and 50 percent within 5 years. This is a massive attrition rate. After going through the training academy and receiving critical on-the-job experience, a proud and dedicated medical first responders recognize the highly uncompetitive pay and poor on-the-job conditions. Some leave for other cities or even jobs with private firms where they can easily make 20 to 30,000 more per year. Many of my members have left the FDNY and are now working for Nassau County EMS, with many more applying there. Just 15 miles from these chambers, Nassau County EMTs and paramedics can earn up to $142,000 a year after 12 years on the job, with a starting salary of $50,000. After just one year, these medics will make $81,000 which is $6,000 more than a 20-year FDNY paramedic. When compared to our members, FDNY EMTs are earning a starting salary of $39,000. Even after 20 years working in FDNY EMS, salaries top out at $59,000. New York City spends tens of thousands of dollars training each EMS professional but compensates them more like a teenager on a weekly allowance. It's why our first responders force is constantly experiencing massive brain drain. On top of that, members are leaving because the pension system is shockingly inadequate. 9-11 heroes among our members, even those with advanced illnesses and cancer, are denied or given bureaucratic runaround. Many of of the FDNY EMTs and paramedics live outside of the five boroughs, unable to afford rent in the city that they work. They even have to pay a New York City tax called 1127, which costs an additional four to six thousand dollars a year for working in the city. Next, the looming prospect of congestion pricing will only cause further financial harm to thousands of EMTs. If an EMT works five days a week, earning $18.93 per hour, proposed congestion pricing would equate to one and a half hours of each day's pay, or $115 per week. That doesn't include paying for gas or tolls, just to make it to work. Given that, why would anyone choose to work in Manhattan? For the members that live outside of the city, taking mass transit is impossible, even unaffordable, if they live in, as they live an hour or two away from New York City. Meanwhile, Tier 6 members of the pension plan are now paying 12% contribution compared to tier compared to 6% for Tier 4 employees. Coupled with severe limits and amount of overtime allowed for Tier 6, no one can afford to remain employed for long with the FDNY EMS service. For years we have communicated with the FDNY and city leadership about pay parity issues promises made about parity and improved working conditions date back to before the 1996 merger of EMS into FTNY. These commitments they made, shamefully, never materialized. Instead, we have been forced to resort to different methods to get our point across. Unfortunately, we have won two federal class action workplace discrimination lawsuits. I say unfortunately because it never should have been or come to that. A union sued for and won federal employment and wage discrimination suit, with the U.S. Justice of the Department and federal judge recognizing the overpowering merits of the case. Yet another reason EMS workers are leaving the department is the alarming train of surging assaults against them while simply trying to do their job. EMT's assaults are at an all-time high, doubling in the last year, and many hundreds of our members are no longer reporting them. For the sake of our members and for the future of FDNY-EMS as New York City's medical first responders, we hope that this is the year and the administration where true pay parity will be addressed. The reality is that under the City of New York's most recent guideline, app-based food delivery workers will soon have a $19.96 per hour wage floor, or about a dollar more an hour than the highly trained medical first responders of FDNY-EMS. In the case of the so-called deliveristas, the city was very proactive, in fact, very aggressive, in implementing this wage hike. But when it comes to their own workforce, at the busiest EMS service in the world, they just won't do the right thing. The dedicated women and men of of FDNY EMS and the citizens, we are sworn to protect absolutely deserve better than we have been subjected to.
1: Thank you for your time. Well, thank you uh, for coming in and giving a very clear message about what the situation is with respect to the people that you represent. Um, I guess if I was an EMT worker, I wouldn't be living in New York either or I don't know whether or not I would stay in the job when I can work in Nassau or, or Suffolk County or somewhere else and earning you know, $10,000 to twenty to $30,000 more because the bottom line is that um, after taxes and whatever the government takes out, you, you have what you have. And is it enough to, to pay for your housing, whether or not you're talking about rental or whether or not if you have an opportunity to own? Do you have enough food to eat? Uh, Do you have health care and and after school programs for children stuff like that? You have to look at that. Um, uh, Just like I was looking at for a family member of mine about uh, consolidating credit card debt uh, in order to uh, reduce the amount of money that he owes Uh, and so uh, that's what Everyone does, as far as looking at their environment, the situation that they're in, uh, in order to determine whether or not this is the best course of action, based on the numbers and the the, what you both said. uh, This is not a good situation. And uh, what about negotiations, uh, as far as contracts? Uh, Have your new contracts in place or old contracts are still existing? Does the individuals, whether it's the mayor's office or the mayor himself or your commissioners, not seeing what you see? Uh, Because based on what you've uh, communicated to us, uh, it seems as though that uh, things need to happen from a positive point of view for the workers that we represent, especially uh, when we we need to dial 911 for an EMS service to come, you know, uh, and we don't want to hear, well, um, we're sorry that uh, we didn't hire enough workers and, and now you, you got to get to the hospital, so you call an Uber uh, or a cab to try to take you to the hospital. Uh, I'm not pleased at all as as a state senator that, that represents many of your members, and I say it doesn't matter where they live, but all of the members that I represent, each one of us represent approximately 330,000 constituents. Uh, and what we heard, uh, I'm not happy with at all as a representative and as a chair of the Civil Service and Pensions Committee. Uh, it's very disappointing, and I want I want you to answer as far as the, the question as far as uh, contract negotiations, uh, do you st- you has it happened? Uh, is it you have new, new contract or you're working on an old contract? And how can we improve the situations that your members are in through if not contract negotiations through legislative actions?
0: We are without a contract. We're going on two years almost. Uh, we've been asking to sit down and we're not getting any response.
1: And you're the president of the uniform EMTs, paramedics, and fire inspectors?
0: Yes, that? FDNY EMS. Local. So
1: two years without a? We're going on two years. Without, without a contract. contract? Yeah. Is negotiations uh, ongoing? No, they haven't even
0: begun. They didn't even give us dates n- Haven't begun? Haven't begun, yet. And I, and I, we have 4,300 members. I would say 90% of my members are in tier six.
1: About 90 percent of them in tier six.
0: Yeah. We don't have that many people who stay because of the wages. So it's a revolving door
1: for us. And what is, what is the, you heard me if you were sitting here, you, I asked about what is the salary range, hiring range, job rate, and stuff like that. So give, give us an idea.
0: So um, it's starting salary is basically poverty wages. It's minimum wage, $18 an hour, $39,000 a year. After, and you max out at fifty-nine thousand dollars. Ten, fifteen, twenty, many, 20 years. Twenty years, you're still at fifty-nine thousand dollars.
1: I think that in your testimony, uh, you indicated about the the delivery people will, will make more than that's EMTs. Correct. correct. Starting next year, they will
0: be making a dollar more an hour, more than an EMT, not including tips.
2: We, uh, we actually just ratified the contract yesterday, Go ahead. Uh, actually, and uh, our issue a lot of times is uh, a lot of heavy legislative fixes. Uh, when we were dumped into Tier 3 because we came out of Tier 2, we didn't even have disability for our members. Uh, we have a large amount of our members, and we had to negotiate that. Um, our members that come over from um, his side, they take a promotional examination, and they lost their pension time they had no pension credit, so a member who would work eight years as an EMT, I know, the confused look, uh, we had to, you know, fight to get that legislated, um, and initially that bill got even vetoed, which was ludicrous, um, because that's, that was the number one way our department diversified was through the promotional examination, um, and it was just swept up in a veto, and we were able to get it, finally, last year. Um, but that's one of the number one reasons a lot of our members turn down our job, because they see inferior benefits, and the hurdles that we have to go over. Mm -hmm. Um, So the majority of our fixes, and the pattern bargaining hurts both of us. They try to hold us to that. Um, Budget-wise is a huge issue for our department. One of the reasons that we have these issues about going through different things is that everybody tries to do fair cuts across the board, Mm -hmm. the FDNY is 90 percent operational, which means 90 percent of our operations will respond to 911 in some sort of capacity. We can't trim anymore, so when they try to do, like, an equal trim across the board, you just can't guarantee public safety. So what happens is they just cut the small 10 percent that we have, and things don't get done. Interviews don't get done. Follow-ups don't get done. Um, To give you an example, there's, um, for every engine company, which is the most important thing to do is put water on a fire. Um, In the city of Boston, for every engine company, there's one engine per 23,000 people. In the city of Chicago, there's one engine for every 32,000 people. In the city of New York, there's one engine for every 45,000 people. So we are already spread as thin as they are. And in Queens, it's for 47,000 people. Um, So that means that fire takes longer to get to the job. It takes much longer to get to the job. You know, one of the things we've been asking for is the fifth firefighter. Uh, There was a study by a deputy chief that if you have one more firefighter on there and you need to stretch a hose line to the sixth floor, it'll take, on average, 11 minutes with four firefighters, but it'll take six and a half minutes with five. So it's a monumental change that we'll put on there, and it'll also change response times and everything else in a city. Well, when Mike Bloomberg closed Engine 261 in Long Island City, the population was somewhere between 60 and 70,000 people. The population, I believe, is about well over 200,000. I want to say 240. It's tripled. The population's tripled in that neighborhood, um, and they haven't added anything.
1: I haven't had anything. In your opinion, can action take place in the City Council to help address the issues that you, that both Absolutely. of you? Absolutely. Absolutely. There's, there's action that can be held in,
2: in City Council to uh, add those staffing and add that Manning to us, you know. Um, a long time ago, in, in back in the 80s, I believe, we had a, a, a contract situation where they took away the fifth firefighter from us and they put it back um through a limited number of units um and unfortunately there was a uh, medical leave caveat um attached to us losing a fifth firefighter now we don't have we have due contract negotiations and through us having to give things back to guarantee public safety we were able to get 20 firefighters in the fifth man but the city council has the ability to to fund this and put this right back on the fire trucks and that's the safest thing you can do in new york city is to
1: put water on the fire as fast as possible so now and your union represents All of the firefighters that are are coming out of the firehouses? We
2: represent every firefighter, fire marshal, every uh, wiper, marine, everybody on the boats.
1: That's our union. And how many members of your union? Actively have uh, 8,200 members. 8,200? Yes. And the the EMTs, the emergency medical services uh, that basically we hear all the time going to I guess a call. Right. Your union represents them. Is that Cor- correct? That's correct. And how many members? Forty-three hundred. Forty-three hundred.
0: And we, and we face the same issues. I mean, there was a report by the mayor's office last month that came out. Response time has increased by over a minute. As we all know, uh, clinical death begins in four minutes. Biological death begins uh, after six minutes. Our response time is over ten minutes. Uh, your chance of surviving uh, in the conditions we have with the short staffing is, uh, you, you might as well make an arrangement at the funeral home, uh. and
1: that's Robert, that's the same,
2: that's the same thing for us. Yeah. Go I've, uh, okay. I've been uh, on the record before as, uh, knocking around vision zero to a degree because it's, you know, we talk about congestion pricing and other things like that. It's not rocket science to look outside that roads that were three lane roads that are now one lane roads with a bus lane and a protected bike lane. Um, And then you throw city cameras on that. People don't think about that. It used to be a frio. You blow the light because here comes the fire truck. No one's blowing the light now if you're going to get a $75 fine. Mm. So now you have a protected bike lane that no one can go through. So now the road stopped. Construction's in the street. Construction used to just be on the sidewalk. So now no one can go anywhere. It's gridlock. You can't make a left turn. So now it's stopped. And the thing about response times that people don't take into consideration is that They use the same response time citywide. So it's a big difference between pulling up on a split-level ranch somewhere in Queens or Staten Island Mm. or me pulling up somewhere in Manhattan and having to go to the 79th floor. You know, I may stop the clock at five and a half minutes right here, but that doesn't mean I'm gonna get to you. Uh,
1: Robert, you indicated that uh, um, that you just completed negotiations, I guess, yesterday or We've we
2: completed negotiations. We just we sent the member out to a uh, sent that to a vote for our members, so we ratified it. Yeah.
1: Well, there well, the uh, contract negotiations that you you and your your leadership was involved with, uh, would it address some of the issues that you've raised uh, in this hearing process? Um, minor, minor.
2: A, a lot of them. Again, some of our our exam was over six years ago, so you know we got we're getting down to scores that we never thought we would see and a lot of our members have moved on you know they they signed up for the exam in april of 2017 so now you're telling them hey you want a job these members have families now they have mortgages that they can't step away from and and, and take a job now for this they they they've moved on they can't take these opportunities so even though uh you know our our pay might be adequate um and I say adequate as far as what is the middle class in new york city you know, it's a question that no one wants to ask because no one wants to be on record of saying it's, it is what it is. Um, but with all the other things about our legislation, our, our, our pension tier, um, the restrictions that are put on that, um, those aren't addressed. Um, a lot of the issues that the department has with funding, they probably need a 30 percent to 40 percent increase. People think I'm crazy when I say that, but it's true. Uh, we need more units, better response times. You know, the mayor, uh, Mayor Bloomberg, uh, de Blasio was on record saying he wanted to close down 14th Street and make it pedestrian only. And uh, they wanted to give mopeds to the fire department. I said, that's great, except I can't put five guys and 500 gallons of water on a moped or ladders. It's not gonna go well. I and mean, I think I saw it in the cat in the hat, but it's not really gonna work in reality, so. But yeah, a lot of the contract negotiations aren't didn't really dress, you know, much that As a matter of fact, none of the contract negotiations addressed health care in the rising costs of yeah, health
1: The health care is an issue with the city, with, with the retirees, uh, um, and supposedly there's a $600 million pot that was involved uh, in uh, the health care issue that the Municipal Labor Committee, I think, uh, voted for. Um,
2: they were banking on federal funding to pay the $128 billion unfunded deficit of retiree health care. That's a, That number is from the New York City actuary, and they were hoping that was going to go there. So they didn't give any money into Security Benefit Fund this round of contracts like they did the last three. No one got any money. That's well, why they, they hedged a bet
1: and they lost. Let me just say that I, I can say on behalf of myself and I would assume my colleagues that some of the information that Joe provided us is totally unacceptable um, because we would want uh, firefighters and uh, EMTs and and paramedics to uh, be able to work and earn a decent living to take care of themselves uh, and be proud of where they work and acceptable salaries and based on what I've heard from two of you, two leaders, you're not nowhere near that type of satisfaction. And I'm very disappointed, let me just say that loud it's, and clear. It,
0: it's a very uh, respectful career on both sides. Uh, people come here to do the right thing, save lives. Uh, there's nothing more rewarding than saving a life, but you can only do it for so long, um, but with these wages, it's uh, killing, killing us.
1: I'm going to turn to my colleague uh, Alexis White from uh, Nassau and Suffolk County. Uh, And I went past my 10 minutes because I'm I'm very disappointed in what I'm hearing from both of you, both leaders representing your members. Thank you.
3: It sounds like gloom and doom. And uh, I'm sad to say that my son and his wife and my granddaughter live in Manhattan. And so to hear these statistics is horrifying on a different level. Even though I represent Suffolk and Nassau, it's truly horrifying. Um, Let's take the good and the bad for a moment. What are some of the unique opportunities? Why would someone want to come work in the city for your departments? Um, give us the good. Why would they want to? And what is specifically bad that needs to be changed? And, of course, at a state level, what can we do to make those changes?
0: You want to go
2: first? Though. Go ahead. Uh, We have a great job, uh, you know, and I'll say that. It is, it's very personally – no, I'm sorry, Bobby Eustis, uh, UFA Vice President. Um, we have a great job. It's very personally rewarding um you know the the salary is uh, decent I'll say that it is a you know civil service is the path to the middle class um it's just when you get to that middle class you need to you know the thing about raising the minimum wage is when you raise that you you pull people down as well and, and so you need to have housing for the middle class as well if all you have is affordable housing or free housing then the only housing that's left is bidded by the one percenters so th- that's a just a little caveat there, but our job is very rewarding. There's a camaraderie. There's a lot of family values, a lot of tradition in our job. Um, it's it's a phenomenal uh, job that that's there um, to, to have in there. And um, the bad on that though is that you, you come in there and you you're gonna have you have to work longer now. Um, you know the the, the pension enhancement ben- benefits. Um, you have to work five more years. It's it, even though it's a 22 year pension, the best part of the pension is the escalation, and you have to work three years for that. Um, Our average member retires right now at 19.7 years because of how high our disability rate is. So there's a good chance you're not going to make that. What's the average? 19.7 years. Okay. So, and most of our members that retire for service retire with over 30. So it's really a large rate of disability members. we have a you know we had to add cancer, thyroid cancer to our bills because of this cancerous PFAS chemicals that are in our gears and our hood. Um, we were just the department's been cleaning our gear for about 10 years, but they would only started cleaning our hoods two years ago. The same chemical that's been strapped to your thyroid into your neck, and causing that. So we're fighting a, on multiple different fronts. Um, we got a one-time grant um, through the state for health and safety money. Um, just so we could actually send our members for cancer screening um, we don't have any funding coming in for that that's something that we've been trying to get just to be able to have our members be able to be detected because the only way to stop cancer is to get it early um, and we have, you know this year for just for we put 72 names of deceased members on the international wall in Colorado. I mean we lose about a member a week to 911 cancer and other cancers job related so. It's um, uh, People ask me the best and worst part of my job, worst part is I go to funerals, best part I said I get this parking placard, I get to park in most places, but a little levity. Um, but no, it's, it's a dangerous job and we try to do as much screening as we can and we've hit a lot of resistance on a lot of things that we need. I hope that answers your question, Senator.
0: Yes, uh, it's pretty much uh, the same, people come to FDNY in uh, generally it's a uh, the biggest known department in the country, uh, it's got a huge respect. No matter where you go, everybody knows New York City Fire Department, um, and they come here for, for reasons of You know, they want to make a change in the communities. Um, you know, the, the, like I said earlier in my testimony, uh, there's nothing more rewarding than touching another human life, a stranger, and bring them back to life making a change, Um, because we do save people every day. We do make uh, changes to people's lives and their outcome. We give them another chance to stay around, be with their loved ones. it is a dangerous job.
3: It is an incredibly dangerous job and, yes. and the fact that you are out there helping others and putting their lives on the line at the same time and not being compensated for it. What, what can we do to make changes to to help make this a better situation?
0: Well, um, you know, we made the state or the city made a law that gave uh, fast food workers a minimum wage. Uh, they made now for the baristas a minimum wage. You know. Uh, New York State uh, EMS systems are hurting everywhere you go. There's less volunteers. Volunteer houses are closing throughout the state. There's no EMS services in some uh, counties, municipalities. Uh, if, if the state and the federal government started acknowledging that EMS is a, an essential service for communities, um, maybe we can have um, a minimum wage legislation done for EMTs and paramedics. Um, I understand that living in upstate New York may be cheaper, but there has to be somewhere where we can throw language if you live in a population uh, of a million people that this should be the minimum wage Mm -hmm. for EMTs or paramedics. But uh, it's uh, non-sustainable anymore, you know. uh, The state, you know, we have a seat on the New York State Council. Of Department of Health, and they see a decline of people who are interested in becoming EMTs and paramedics. Uh, you know, our dangers is communicable disease. We can't see our dangers most of the time, and people don't even tell us sometimes that they ha- that they have something that's contagious. So uh, these are the risks that my men and women uh, see all the, uh, are exposed to on a daily basis, and. Uh, with the assaults, I mean, just last year we had a paramedic lieutenant stabbed to death in Astoria, Queens. Uh, mm-hmm. s- uh, six years ago, Yadira was run over by an ambu- her own ambulance, crushed to death. But th- in between those, uh, hundreds of EMTs are assaulted every year.
3: Well, I thank you and your members for your service to our community and putting their lives on the line literally every moment that they go to work. So thank you very much.
1: Thank you. We're gonna hear from Senator Chu. Brooke.
4: Thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, I really thank you for your service. Uh, It's shocking to hear, even you work on the line for 20 years, your salary cap um, on 59,000. There's just no career path for a younger young for a young one who joined the FDNY uh, EMS and to think about work for 20 years and that's why you cap for your salary there just no, there's no future. So it's very shocking to hear that. Could you uh, share with us what's a requirement to be a FDNY EMS member?
0: Um, you have to have your EMT certificate or paramedic certificate and a driver's license. That's the only requirement. Okay. A high school diploma, obviously. Yeah.
4: Is there any, like, professional training required those Mm. days? No. Then when they join as an EMS uh, member, do they get those professional training and then they can move toward other career?
0: an EMT course is given at colleges, um, and then the paramedic course is also given at colleges. It's an accredited course. Studies that they that they have to go through, okay. and then once you join the FDNY, you have to go through their rigorous training, and pro and protocols. Um, the state has different protocols than New York City, mm-hmm. so that's when they go into the academy and they get to uh, go over the New York City protocols.
4: And is there any reason for? The salary will be capped for 59000 Do you know what's the cause, what's the reason it's capped con- it this way?
0: That's the contractual agreements that we have, but every time we negotiate with the city, as my colleague here said, they use what's called patent bargaining, and when you have a force of mine whose, let's say, the top salary is $60,000. And let's say you negotiate a 10% raise, um, that's $6,000 raise, and then you have other agencies who are earning $100,000, they're getting that same 10%. So now they're seeing a $10,000 increase. So that gap throughout the years has always grown. We're we're constantly falling behind everybody else. And when we try to break away from the pattern bargaining, the mayor's office and OMB, OLR, they will not budge on that.
4: And my understanding, the contract expired almost two years ago. And when's the last time the contract negotiation happened?
0: We settled our contract in 2021.
4: 2021.
0: Yes. Okay. So we're now trying to go again to Office of Labor Relations with the mayor's office to negotiate, but. It seems like nobody's uh, making any moves to get us to the table. And
4: for the firefighter, um, you say now we're using the 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 poll from twenty seventeen. Those who took the exam. How long for the test? When an applicant apply, the exam and then be at least on the poll, get an interview, finally get a position. Uh, how long that would take?
2: So City Hall had a DCAS hearing, and they had uh, one of the top people at DCAS come there, and they said the fastest they can produce any type of examination is 152 days. 152,
4: Hun- 152 days? 152
2: days, which in the computer digital era still seems very, seems like a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and they said on average it's 190 days. Um, that's the number that I, I put in my prepared statement. So we'll have maybe a half a list, but it usually takes about a year and a half sometimes to, in order to hire anybody off of that list. So it's, it's a lengthy time, you know, probably maybe a year to 14 months, I'll say probably to hire anybody from examination to that. Um, and then they go through these processes. So they, they need to come up with some other way to start just processing everybody um, or, or maybe make that part of the notice of examination more of the processing in order to qualify um, because like I said, we're at this point right now where they're saying they can't get people to sign up, um, which if you have 72,000 people sign up, obviously people want this job. So that's there's people that want this career. So that shouldn't be the issue when you're going on to seven years later, over six years later, and now you're telling people they are turning it down because like I said, you, you can't wait that long for a job. You know what I mean? You have to make career moves at this point. Um, and you, and you have to, you have to move on or some people leave the area altogether.
1: So thank you. Senator Dabo.
2: Thank you, Mr. Chair. And I want to thank, uh, Orrin and Bobby. Thank you so much for your eye opening testimony today and the dedication and commitment of your members. Uh, thank you. Two You may not often hear, but thank you. And Bobby, your, your numbers regarding the Queens one per 47. 47,000. Yeah, yeah, one per One truck per every 47,000 in Queens is certainly concerning. Uh, and I do look forward to working with my colleagues any way we can help going forward, because obviously it's about recruitment and retention to critical services for our residents. So I want to again say thank you, and I look forward to working with you both. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you, Senator. Can I add
0: something to-
1: Sure, go ahead.
0: Um, in Queens, Far Rockaway, Howard Beach, we are see our units get redeployed on a daily basis. Uh, Far Rockaway has grown unbelievable uh, with the housing, and we send resources, we pull Howard Beach resources every day into Far Rockaway, leaving uh, your area specifically unattended. Uh, the Ozone Park units, uh, the, uh, anybody that sits around JFK gets pulled into Far Rockaway on a daily basis because the jobs are just holding there's nobody to respond and that occurs every day 24 hours a day because we're so light in resources Oren, thank, you. Yeah.
5: Oren, thank you
2: Oren, thank you so much uh, and information like that is extremely helpful to me certainly as we think parochially about our district Please forward me any information like that as we prepare for our next, next legislative session. So, I appreciate it. any further information like that. I would
0: appreciate. Okay, thank you, Orrin.
1: Yeah. Are, are any of these statistics uh, being uh, aware? Like from community boards, you know, we have. I think there's 59 community boards in New York City. I mean, I would think that uh, the members of community boards would be up and up in storming, saying this is totally unacceptable. So. Is there any way these information is getting out to the community boards? That, because everyone is going to, if they're deploying people, uh, and you're not aware of that, you think that it's a normal situation, but it's not normal. Uh,
0: yeah, um, We don't attend community boards not because we don't want to. It's just a little rough with everything that goes on, but it happens every day. I could my station, I could come out of Bayside Queens. I'll end up in the Bronx somewhere. I'll end up in Manhattan. This happens every day. The resources are just not there. The fire department is requesting additional funds to add more resources, but the city is just refusing to give them the the budget for it.
1: Now, Oren, your members, uh, knowing the salary is not appropriate, in my opinion, uh, but I would assume that many people work overtime because they want to get additional money to be able to survive and, and live. Is there an average of how much overtime is being, you know, uh, taken up uh, with respects to the employees that you represent?
0: So, a majority of our members um, live on overtime. They do three, four shifts extra a week to maintain and they have second jobs to work for the hospitals or other communities where there's an EMS system Uh, because there is a city cap on how much overtime you can do. Uh, So uh, our members won't be able to survive without overtime and they are basically living at work. There's no quality of life, home life, or any sort of extracurricular activities unless you're killing yourself.
1: Yeah, I was going to comment that basically the quality of life, you know, first your health as far as resting you know being able to not be so focused on having to work because you, you got to pay the bills in order to provide for your family that's correct that impacts you as well um, yeah well, let me and, turn to our co- go ahead continue. and i just
0: want to say we are and and i and i love my colleagues here uh, we work very well together every four years i lose over a 1,000 of my members to go into there because of the better pay, you know? Um, so we take a hit every four years. And our members leave to the police department, sanitation, post office, any other city job or federal job that comes up, they would leave. Uh, one of my members left to become a, a, a delivery for Instacart because she's making more money over there. Um, we lose people to any. This is just a temporary job for now until another city job comes through.
1: Senator Matera, of of <clears throat> Suffolk County. Thank you, Chair. You know, uh,
5: just listening to this, this is totally unacceptable. I I uh, I'm sorry that you're even up here and giving this testimony. That you even have to do this because, you know, our um, you know, the EMTs and our fire department, what you guys do every day is, the members is so, so important for the way of life. And again, this is about life and what you do. Um, I know that everybody here will do whatever we have to do. I'm gonna tell you, I'm, you guys, please, whatever we could do to, when we go back up to Albany and to give you the dignity back, because this is, just, this is just so wrong. I know what I have done Again, I'm gonna mention it again, I'll keep on mentioning it as a union leader to make sure again a decent wage, a decent health care and a decent pension. And when you sit there and you fight across that table, really? That's why every elected official needs to go on that truck. Every elected official needs to go with an EMT and show what they do. Because so you
1: deployed from Queens and all the way to the Bronx
5: or in Manhattan. You say, What? Okay, so so I just came here, and I should have took the train, and I didn't, but I just know with this, the traffic, this to get here, it took me three hours from Smithtown to get here this morning. And I just can't even imagine trying to go save a life, what you guys you know, tried to do to get in. And again, um, just quick question, and this has been a big subject because, you know, there it is, okay, I'm on Long Island, you know, I know it's a lot different than coming into the city, big time. The migrant situation, how have how you guys been handling anything with that? Has that been under control or is it something that you're concerned about? I know it's a, maybe it's a, touch, a touchy subject here, but I have to bring it up because this has been something that my constituents call me up all the time about. So how, how are you handling this? Because there's another
0: yes, uh,
5: issue with you guys.
0: I understand it's a, a sensitive uh, subject to talk about, but the reality, well, be. The reality is uh, we are impacted. Uh, all, of our, all of a sudden our call volume is uh, spiking for drunks, people sleeping on the street, yes. uh, people fighting at shelters. It's nonstop with these issues that we see every day. Uh, we should be responding to true emergencies of, of New York City legal residents or tourists but we have uh, an influx of immigrants in our city, illegal immigrants, that are basically don't abide by what we, uh, as a society, live by, and not. that's what we get: the intox, the drugs, the violence. We see we see an increase on that every day. That's a shame that you have to you now. It's another layer
5: that you have to deal with right now. Yeah. Um, is any? What about? But. Approved vests, any
0: protection. Do you guys have any of that? We do have ballistic you, ballistic vests. Please, we do, we do have. There's actually a council hearing on that next week, I believe, uh, to make it uh, hopefully mandatory that it will be issued by the department uh, every five years.
2: I just want to add on sorry, no, the, no, the, no, with, uh, the, with thank the migrant you. is that uh, we're, we're getting in, in the form of a budget crunch, uh, you know, and, and our runs are. Both of our runs are historic. Um, Last year, we had over uh, 650,000 runs, which is an all-time record, busier than the 60s and 70s when New York City was burning. Um, You know, we have units that are doing, you know, 6,000, 7,000 runs a year. Uh, That's, you know, there's units that are getting changed in the street. They don't even back into the firehouse. They actually have to meet in the street and just swap one for one, um, which isn't the most optimum thing to do. Um, we were in a labor management meeting just last weekend, and uh, our fire marshals, there's only 130 total in the entire program, and we wanted to get them CFRD, medically trained. Every ter- job requirement when you come on the job, and when you become a marshal, you don't have to keep up the status, but these members are running into fentanyl dens, they're running into members that are severely burned during investigations, they're, you know, they're running into people that are possibly shot. Um, they carry guns themselves. They're, they're police officers. And we asked if they could keep up their training, which is once every three years for three days. Hmm. We were told no, no. We, uh, we really got to watch
5: our budget. You know what I mean?
2: Things are tight. So things are tight.
5: So, cook, so, you're not an essential workforce. No. How could that be possible? That you are not an essential workforce? I'm sorry. You are. This is seriously. I. I'm so glad I came here today because. Um. I just cannot believe what I'm hearing. And again, this migrant situation, just put another layer on your jobs. Both are, and I know we're gonna be having the, um, our police are gonna be speaking next, in New York City. And I know, yes, I live on Long Island, but guess what? Still, I have a lot of workers that live on Long Island in my district that work here with, with, with you guys. With your, with your unions, but again, this is something that needs to be vocal about what's happening right now and making sure that you guys get properly paid the right way, your members.
0: What, what you can help us with maybe through legislation is our crews are by themselves in the back of that ambulance. We're not like police or my colleagues here where they have four or five men together. When we go in back of that ambulance, we're by ourselves, so we get outnumbered need, and overrun. You know, majority of my workforce you need to have a partner. We need to have a, a third person on that truck. Okay. We have somebody driving and a technician and two, in the back. Need. So we need to have two people in the back, and maybe some sort of legislation to change that would would help us in a safety manner.
5: Let's work on that. Um, and Bob, just got a quick question for you. Um, the fifth firefighter. Um, there was a study done. Yes. And that study, like a Cornell study, am I correct? Something like it was that. Was a
2: Deputy Chief Vinnie Dunn who's written probably a, a good portion, I would say almost 40% of our books and our rules and regulations in the fire department are written by him. He's and the Yoda, one of our superstars, if you will, of the FDNY.
5: And and that's stating that pretty much you would be, obviously with this, first of all, money is, is one thing, but this would be even saving. Saving time and money
2: would save and response times our response times are built around this So what used to happen is when you get a report of a fire you send two engines and two ladder companies The ladder companies do your search and rescue and your forcible entry and your engine companies do your water Bring your hose lines so two engines because one hose line goes right to the fire The other hose line will go to the floor above to make sure that the fire doesn't extend up since we got eliminated third firefighter, you send three engine companies and two ladder companies still. The third engine company is there to assist the first engine because you need two engine companies now to get the hose line in place as fast as possible. So if you went back to that, you'd essentially put a third, you'd, you'd increase the department's availability by a third because you'd, your response would be cut and you have and, another and, engine available. And who did this study go to? this study went to the department and
5: what on deaf ears
2: um they budget cuts they just they cut it and um they we've tried to fight to get it back we've paid for it in contract negotiations to get 20 of them back um and even sometimes it's used as a manpower pool for safety if a member gets injured during a tour and another company goes down they'll take that fifth firefighter so the truck company doesn't ride short that day um for the rest of that tour um, which is positive for safety but This is something that we've brought up time and time again, and even in, to this day, if you open up the fire department books, the the safest thing you can possibly do is get
5: water on the fire as fast as possible, and this is the proven method to do it. Oh, and especially what's happening right now with the EVs and and all the stuff that's happened with lithium batteries, no one's even talking about that, right? No, and and like I said, it's it's harder to get to the fire. It's harder to get, you know, you look at all the
2: outdoor dining that's here to stay now. Um, Some of our fire trucks, they can get down the street, but they can't put the outriggers out to set up their ladders.
5: Right? Can you talk about the the batteries, please? What's happening right now with I all mean, that? Li-
2: lithium-ion batteries. If, if everybody sees that, it's just um, it's it's, it's the, I call it. It's almost the new space heaters that you see when you see the fires. You know, you know, if you're a you know the typical migration into New York City, people coming in here, low income, um, you get the aftermarket lithium-ion batteries that are just exploding, and you know you can't put them out instantly, and they burn so rapidly and so hot. Um, that by the time we arrive on these fires, it's almost as if the fire has been burning for an hour. So it's almost a a lost cause at times. Um, There was a fire on the Lower East Side where there was two members, the two civilians naked sliding down a drainage (laughs) pipe. And what the fire department was doing, there was somebody charging all the lithium lithium ion batteries um, and he had run extension cords from other apartments to get the free electricity out of the public housing complex. Um, and he almost mel- he pretty much did melt concrete in there. That's how hot that got. Absolutely, melted you, concrete. If, and
5: you, if you have an EV car, you have to submerge it in water because you're not putting that out. And, and that's it. You have and that's sp- what yeah. about all what about all the fumes and what about all of the chemicals? And, and these are we're trying to get. I mentioned it
2: before. We got a, a two hundred fifty thousand dollars study, which we've uh, a grant for health and safety um, to get our members screened for cancer. We're trying, and, yeah, and exactly. we've used, we've exhausted that to in, in almost a year's time. Um, we're trying to get more studies done on that with the PFAS and the lithium battery, uh, the, bio, the chemicals that are coming off and onto our gear. And when we have one of those fires, we're advising our members to immediately send out your gear and, and to try to have them decon further um, because of the dangers that they're you know, experiencing with these fires and how much these chemicals are absorbent and everything else like that. So. And the more
5: popular they come, the more aftermarket they come. Right. Well, th- th- this just proves that, in other words, we need to do something with this board chairman. Thank you so much, guys, and we are here for you.
1: Well, clearly, uh, clearly it's going to take all of us working together. Obviously, uh, we're at the state level, so when you consider legislation and things like that, but also communicating with our colleagues in the city council, obviously they, uh, they know the issues and concerns that impact the district, so we just need to all refocus together in order to try to protect our workers uh, and the people that we represent. So let me, on behalf of our committee, let me thank you both for coming in. Uh, Obviously we're not happy with what we're hearing. That's obvious. uh, But we need to work on it together. Please make sure you stay in contact with us so that we can do anything that we can do at the state level, but also working with the city council and the leaders of the various committees. Uh, that govern uh, FDNY and EMTs and I think. Thank you both for coming in. Thank you, appreciate okay. it.